Welcome to The Beauty of Conflict, a podcast about how to deal with conflict at work, at home, and everywhere else in your life. I'm Chris Marie. And I'm Susan. We run a company called Thrive, and we specialize in conflict resolution, communication, and building strong, thriving teams and relationships. Conflict shows up in our lives in so many ways. Most people, unfortunately, are not very good at handling conflict. Most people have never been taught the right tools for dealing with conflict. And then it leads to unnecessary friction, arguments, passive-aggressive emails, tears, hurtful comments, stuckness, all kinds of things we don't want. We're on a mission to change all of that. We spent the last 20 years teaching our clients how to handle conflict in a whole new way. We're here to show you that conflict doesn't have to be scary and overwhelming. With the right tools, you can turn a moment of conflict into a moment of reinvention. Conflict can pave the way into a beautiful new system at work, a new way of leading your team, a new way of parenting, a new chapter of your marriage where you feel more connected than ever before. Conflict can lead to beautiful things. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, oh, I'm excited to be here and connecting with the two of you again. It's uh, even though we're at a distance, it feels like we're we're close again, which is great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now, uh, when we were working with you more closely, you were working at the Haven Institute in British Columbia, correct? That's right. I was the executive director there from uh, 2006. I started in a different role. I started in 2006 in a, in, in a different role and then became executive director 2008 all the way through to 2017. Um, and I left because I, I had to move to another place to so my kids could finish their education. Um, but I still am strongly connected to the Haven and to to centers in general. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little right. bit you, about that. You actually are on a board now for the centers. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So <laughs> I moved from being executive director to becoming a board member of the what's called the Holistic Centers Network. And uh, we are a group of centers. Uh, well, at least uh, uh, the the whole network is uh, is covers the whole world, uh, centers all over the world, and uh, and it's very exciting. We get to get together every year at a particular center, and I'm actually heading off tomorrow to gorgeous Hollyhock on Cortez Island, which is mm. about three hours north of where I am right now in Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, to spend a week with people from other centers and brainstorming and problem solving and strategizing and getting massages and swimming in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and these are centers like the Haven Institute, Hollyhock, Esalen, yep. Wood, uh, Omega, Fintorn uh, in Scotland, uh, and all, you know, so new centers, really established centers like Esalen and Fintorn have been around for 50 years. Um, the Haven and Hollyhock have been around for 30 years. And then we have some people come who've just been going for a year or even they haven't started their center yet, but it's an idea they want to create. So it's a really nice kind of um, bringing together of people uh, It and just the, the idea, you know, it's in the spirit of collaboration where none of us see each other as competitors. We all like to come from a place of abundance. There are plenty of people out there and we, you know, we don't need to fight over participants and in our programs. And, and so it's better for all of us if we share our ideas and particularly, you know, the, those of us who've worked in the older, more established centers, um, 
we can kind of highlight some things you might not want to do. <laughs> <laughs> lessons learned. Learn from yeah. our mistakes. Lessons hard learned. And, you know, so that so people need to make their own mistakes as well. So, but it, it's a, it's a beautiful collaboration between, um, you know, when you add it up, the people in the room, there's like hundreds of years of experience. Um, oh, and it, it's a very cool. rich, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very different to the sort of competitor model, which is great. I love cool. that. And which brings us to where we actually were with you, because at that time, we, you were the executive director at the Haven yep. Institute yep. and uh, you brought us in and I mean, do you want to say a little bit about the situation, uh, about why you brought us in? And and the size of your team yeah. and what you were trying to accomplish, yeah. what you were doing. Sure. So, well, and, and you worked with us in different contexts with different groups uh, and repeatedly over time, which was actually, I think, one of the most beneficial things was that you came in. It wasn't just like a one shot deal and you weren't just working with the board. I think I can't actually remember who you started with, but I, yeah, I remember that. Was it the board or was it the I management think we did, team? I think we first started with the board. You know, I think it was because you had board. gone through a whole, the board, because yes. you had gone through that whole process of because you came in after having very strong founders and everything had shifted yes. and there was a whole process of yeah. uh, getting the board, your relationship to the board and support finding a board that was actually helping the overall yeah. flow of things. Well, I do have to also say that we were also leaders and we still are there, you yes. know, so we had lots of different ties that way <laughs> yes. as well. well that's Combine one thing in, in, in that kind of organization is everyone wears many different hats, which is yeah. always an interesting one to, it's like, okay, who are you now in this context, in this meeting? <laughs> um, which, and that's also great because you have a lot of, you know, you, ha you don't have this kind of siloed, okay, I'm one of these and I don't know what you do over here. Um, there's a lot of crossover, but but yes, we had to just to give a little bit of context. The organization had gone through, uh, I think, one of the most fundamental transitions you can go through, which is from a founder-owned, for-profit organization, um, kind of like a family business. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. it's that's the closest thing to a charitable organization, not for profit. Uh, educational institution with a board and an ED. And um, I read some stats somewhere that I, it was on family businesses, but how few of them actually managed the transition. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm not sure that any of us at the time knew quite how uh, huge <laughs> it was. Probably, good, probably a good thing at the time, mm -hmm. but I, I sort of liken it to, you know, it's like, being in labor, you kind of got to go through it <laughs> to get to the end. And it was, there's it no was, turning back. No. And it was difficult. You know, it really yeah. was, we had difficult yes. times and, and that's, that's where, you know, you guys came in and you worked with the board, you worked with the management team and this was, you know, you'd come, I think you came two or three times, which was, that was super helpful. You came and worked with the staff as a whole and, um, for me as ED, that was really useful because I could see, uh, I participated in all of them, you know, to, in, in some things I was, you know, more of an active participant. In others, I wanted to sit back, particularly with the staff, and let them, you know, participate on their own behalf. But I could see threads from each of those different groups. I could see, you know, similar things coming out. Um, and And so, 
I think one of your questions was why why did we do it? And I think it was part of that uh, transition process. The um, one of the things that got us through, we made it through successfully. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think it took about five years. Um, but we, it, you know, in terms of all the different things that happened till we got, got to a point of where what I would call relative stability, you don't want to be too stable, but, um, <laughs> but you know, sort of where everyone sort of felt confident and aligned and moving forward in the same direction. That was about five years, I think. I think probably when we were working with the board and even the management team, we were working, one, to help develop the, the trust in those two groups and have the, the tough conversations and then get clear on the overall organizational clarity. That was a lot of what we were doing. And then helping that, helping kind of drive that clarity down into the staff while also hearing what was working and what wasn't and, yeah. and helping you folks have more clear communication up, down, sideways through the organization. Yes. And also, to, I think uh, two things that... Um, that to me are, are actually can be described very simply who makes what decision because <laughs> <laughs> right. you know when you've gone from a, a founder owned family owned it's super clear who makes the decisions like right. you know the the founders the family the head of the family they make the decision that's it everyone else we're all good you know it's a nice <laughs> it's a nice simple model if you don't like the decision you probably don't want to stay in the organization. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this, it's, it's a, and, and that's a, it, it's a really nice, clear model. And then you move from that to, okay, you have the ED and you have the management team and you have the board. And, and, you know, a lot of that was sort of unpicking or delineating the boundaries, who decides what. You right. also had the challenge as someone who was a faculty member <laughs> from when this started to when it shifted, you had the faculty, which yes. was a whole group of really independent contractors uh, who had Strong been part opinions. of a family business <laughs> and yeah. were now part of a non-family business, <laughs> which I think created its own challenges. As a member of that faculty, I'm sure I was a part of the challenge, but you know, <laughs> you know that that. I'm going to I'm going to plead the fifth on that Susan, just so that we don't get into that too. But you know, like I I always said about the Haven there was never any shortage of people who cared about the organization. And that That's was true. actually always in in somewhat sometimes I would think, "Oh, could you just care a little less?" or, you know. <laughs> but but actually it was very helpful because when things really when people seemed to be a long distance from each other, it was always possible to find common ground in that you know your your intention is for the organization to do well no one that i worked with wanted the organization to fail or do badly so you can Mm -hmm. even when people seem really far apart you can come back to that fundamental principle which was really helpful that's a good point rachel i mean we talk about teams and when you're dealing with conflict having mutual purpose is kind of the going in position to get people aligned. If you can't really align around that, people will fight over strategies my way. And so it can be quite divisive, but if you can get people to remember, Hey, Mm -hmm. we are on the same team. We do Mm -hmm. want the same thing, even though you, like you said, we look very far apart in how we're approaching that. (laughs) Well, and the, uh, you know, one of the things that you, you guys help me understand is alignment is not agreement. But it's actually better in, in some ways, you know, you can fight your whole life to get agreement and never get there, but you can mm-hmm. get alignment, 
you know mm. you can get people who who will agree to disagree and and align you know exactly um, yeah it's the clarity versus, yeah i think we we talk about disagree and commit yeah meaning you've heard me I get you're, you're not, you know, we're still going that other direction, but I will support that direction. And, and people can do that yeah. as adults. If we feel heard and considered, we can usually get behind. And that is here. really powerful because I think a, a lot of executives spend a lot of, waste a lot of time trying to get agreement. And then mm -hmm. people feel they have to leave because they can't agree and there's no place mm -hmm. for them. Uh, in mm -hmm. the organization because they can't agree and agreement is what we want. We want everyone to agree. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's really, especially, <laughs> I wouldn't say, especially at the Haven, it's very difficult to get people to agree. I mean, it's not just the <laughs> Haven, like that people like to disagree about things. And I think it's a good thing. You know, it, it, it wasn't my, um, I wouldn't say it was my natural environment, but I learned to live in the discomfort of disagreement and conflict because once once the goal you know once the goal was reset for me and you helped me do that reset the goal to alignment rather than agreement it didn't seem so impossible to get there do you know what I mean there seemed yeah. to be a path that otherwise was just like me rolling a rock up the hill and then it would roll down again <laughs> you know it's like that that I, that kind of thing and and that was actually the the first thing I was talking about who who made what decision the second part was surfacing disagreement, surfacing yes. conflict, because there was a lot, but it was often it was really hidden and it would come out in another way. And I'd be like, well, why does that, why is this person doing that? And, you know, if you take the time to go underneath it, uh, <clears throat> you'll understand that, um, that it's coming, that it's actually connected to something else that's really not obvious. In day-to-day -day work, it's really hard to find the time to um, to go into to go into that depth. But it's like a right. regular health checkup to have someone come and spend a, a day, two days, three days, just kind of bringing all that to the surface, and not just you know what are your uh, what do you agree and disagree on, but what kind of person are you and what you know if I understand more about you as a person then I might understand why this is such an issue for you. When for me, it's like, can we just get on with it? You know, like, can we just like say yes and move on? And that was, a, that was good for me. Yes. I wanted to say, cause I think, I mean, one thing, and you could tell me where I'm wrong here, but I think even working with you, what I appreciated about you is you recognize you would get into conflict, but you really, there was also a part of your style that was a bit conflict avoidant yourself. Oh, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and as a matter of fact, you, you had that, I think you would often say like, this is not where I want to go, but this is good for us. Um, but what was probably, what helped you get better at being in those uh, types of situations to, to go forward and unearth that you know, conflict so that you weren't just pushing the rock up the hill. Well, and, and <laughs> you know, that, that's the, you know, that's the metaphor that I would use is that, you know, if you, what I discovered was, you know, my, yes, I, I will absolutely mm -hmm. describe myself as conflict avoidant. I learned better, but in, in my time as ED, but my first instinct is always to smooth things over and move on. You know, it's like, <laughs> let's just, okay, let's just, let's just, Okay, let's, can we just all say yes and then move on and, and be done with it? <laughs> but what I realized, of course, is that even if I managed to do that, and there were some very strong personalities, which was good because they often, you know, 
wouldn't let me just do that. Uh, I think in other contexts, people might be more passive and be like, okay, whatever. She just wants to move on. Let's, we'll just talk about this after the meeting. Um, you know, right. we'll just bitch about this after the meeting, but, but, you know, it'll come back and bite you in the butt. It's like, you're, the, the, you'll, and that, what I found was, you know, in every meeting, I, you know, I began to dread meetings because it's like, oh my God, are we going to do this again? You know, mm-hmm. here we are again. I've rolled the rock up the hill and it's just rolled all the way back down again. You know, and here <laughs> we are. And what I realized is, you know, that this is, and again, it's very natural to go, why is this person so difficult? Like, why mm-hmm. or why does this issue keep coming up? But it's the, the, the important le- and the tough learning piece is like, what is my part in this yes. rep- repetition? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what am I doing as, you know, the leader of this group of people, of this team? What am I doing that this keeps happening? Um, I love that, Rachel, that you're actually, because so many people will think it's just the problem person. Right. We we must have to get rid of them versus it's always a two-way dynamic or a multi, you know, multi-variable dynamic. And to actually step back, which we do coach leaders to do, step back and say, wait a minute, how am I creating this situation? What am I doing that's participating in making this happen is a really powerful move, that acknowledgement and that internal uh, introspection to see what part you're playing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And um, the, yeah, the idea that it's, it's, this is the problem person. What I learned mm-hmm. from you guys is, so first of all, I can acknowledge that, that someone is different from me without having to agree with them because then there's this idea of, okay, mm-hmm. if I'm just going to let them talk and talk and talk and, and, and do whatever they I'm, I've lost control of the meeting or whatever the situation that it's, it's not that, you know, you can make space for people without, without you know giving up everything to them Mm -hmm. you know there's that there's Mm -hmm. that balance between the two and also you know that 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 one person or two people they're they're very valuable because they're surfacing things that other people may well be thinking but not saying because you know I think a lot of people are conflict avoidant or you know I'm in Canada. We're a very polite people. We don't like to, you know, we, we don't like to, to get, you know, get into it. Or, or a lot of people don't. So just because one person is saying it, it's a, it's a mistake to think that only one person is thinking it. Yeah. Right. Even if nobody even else Even if nobody else, up, even so if true. other people are rolling their eyes or whatever, you know, it's like you got to, it, it it's telling you something and sometimes it's telling you something you don't need to pay attention to, but you still need to deal with it. You know what I mean? Because, um, it, and it's this thing about people being heard. And I think we often think, Oh my God, people being heard. That means I've got to spend four hours just listening hours. to them talk. And talk. That's, <laughs> that's not the case. It doesn't take a lot. I was, I was thinking probably one of the things that I, uh, I know we talk about it a lot. It's really important in couples, and I think it's really important on teams. Is when somebody is that difficult person, you know, the tendency is to say, you know, oh, you know, here they go again. Versus, so why is that so important yeah. to you? And I think that was something I saw you be able to do well at different points uh, is to try to get underneath what is, like you said, earth surface the conflict and ask that question. Why are you so dug into that position and why is it so important? Because then you can get to the underlying issue. issue. And I I also appreciate you said that doesn't, 
it, it's hard sometimes to do that in day-to-day mm. operations. And so if, if you don't, then you have the meeting after the meeting, which is so ineffective. Mm. And so taking time, like we would usually come and work with you for a couple of days, taking that time to really help people settle in so they actually are willing to speak up and develop that environment to get underneath those problems are, it's powerful. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. most definitely. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, and, and it's always the thing of, oh, you know, we don't have time you know, we're so busy, we're doing this, that and the other. But when you, you know, when your team meetings start to go on for sort of two or three hours, that's a lot of time too, especially <laughs> if you're meeting weekly, you know, um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. somehow things is, and you come out of those meetings feeling dissatisfied or you dread going yeah. into them. Then if you add up all those hours, that's an awful lot of time. Plus, you know, people are yes. generally feeling dissatisfied. If you're dreading yeah. a meeting or coming out of a meeting feeling dissatisfied likely other people are too so you know it's like yeah. that it, it's it's a really um it's it's financially it's a great investment you know what i noticed yeah. is that you know it, and we would need the tune-ups after a year or six months or something um it's a bit like taking mm-hmm. a car for a service it's easy to fall back into the old patterns <laughs> But, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was a, there was a shift in things. I don't, I know, you know, I'm, we, we aren't the kind of industry that measures productivity, but I bet you it went up. I bet people felt happier about things. You know, it's, uh, there was a, a greater level of satisfaction. People would say that was great. I really enjoyed that. that can we do it again? Um, mm-hmm. at, even though sometimes it was painful and difficult and, and surface things uh, that, that normally wouldn't be surfaced. So, um, mm-hmm. and and I do think the other the other piece that was, uh, you know, it, it it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, it's it, when we talk about, um, you know, the the person uh, or sometimes people who often find themselves in conflict with the team or the organization. Sometimes it is the right decision for them to move on and go somewhere else. It's not mm-hmm. like, okay, now this person has to stay forever because they're, you know, it, it, sometimes, but, but again, if all, if all I was doing was just kind of smoothing it over and moving on, even if that, you know, the right decision was for that person to leave, we wouldn't ever get there. You know, the person would <laughs> right, just be, true. or yeah, they might yeah. leave in a way, you know, I, I, I came to, understand that someone leaving an organization is sometimes a really um it can be a very rich and beneficial process you can learn so much and it can be done in a way that is um not always but more often than i think we normally do it can be done in a way that where the organization can learn the leader of the organization can learn the person who's leaving can learn um and and everyone comes out of that experience stronger than they were before um, but more often than yeah. not, stuff is just bubbling up underneath, and then someone just walks out. You know, yeah, yeah. and you and nothing gets no. learned from that no. experience for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking. I mean, it's interesting because you're in that um, education or personal growth and development professional center, and it's interesting because we do a lot of work in for-profit businesses that are very different than that. And, you know, they, they take pride in being able to fight and fire and do whatever they need to do. And yet you were in a culture that sometimes consensus or everyone needs to agree was even more deeply embedded in the belief system that 
it had to be that way. So you you were counterculture, <laughs> kind of challenging that culture, well, you know. And um, we certainly we agree with the the we don't believe in consensus. Mm. We do believe in alignment. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think, I mean, so, it, it was interesting because there is also a balance. It's like, you know, we, uh, we provided meals. We had a, a kitchen. Uh, we have a kitchen providing meals for participants. And, you know, one of the things it's like breakfast, lunch, and dinner has to be out by a certain time and whatever's going on, you know, it's like, it's gotta be out at 12. And then, and maybe yes. we can deal with this afterwards. So there was also, you know, and this was this was an interesting other aspect of working there is that, um, you know, sometimes pe- people would come and work for us who'd been in programs and would think that the workplace was like the program, and it wasn't, you know, because yeah. <laughs> uh, there are certain things that just have to be done. That doesn't actually mean that you have to throw everything else out the window it's like but it's it mm-hmm. there were times where I was like I get it I see this is happening we need to get lunch out so let's yeah. yes. do that and then book a time afterwards and deal with this but there are priorities right. you know we can't just drop everything and and that was uh, that was always an interesting balancing act um, you know, people had expectations and there were things that need to be done at particular times. So in that way, we were, we were somewhat traditional as well. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so we had to kind of, we, you gotta yeah, you've got, you got to get, got to get the food out. That was always my, like, you know, it, whether, whether it was the, and it wasn't, it was often not the kitchen stuff, but I would use that as an, as an example. It's like, you know, I get it, but lunch has got to be out at 12. So. How are we going to do that and this, you know? Um, Yeah. Well, Rachel, would you have like, if if you think about uh, all the different things that we did and, you know, partnering with you, what's your number one takeaway that you're still, you know, like that you take to the boards that you're on now and the the groups that you're engaged in? Um, So there are a couple of things. Uh, You know, one of the things that I think was always really useful was you would begin with some kind of a you know personality assessment or something like that where we we shelved all the work stuff or we you know put the agenda to one side and talked about you know talked about ourselves and and again it didn't take hours you know in in a very sort of efficient (laughs) way but but had me understand um more about the people that I work with you know so and have Mm -hmm. them understand more about me um, you know, it, it would yeah. it probably wasn't obvious to everyone I was working with that essentially I'm an introvert, you know, uh, because I was an introvert working in an extrovert's job. Um, and, and I've mm-hmm. always right. done that. And that's that I, you know, that but but there's there were important aspects of me as an introvert that it's actually really useful for for my team to understand and equally good and the other way around as well. So I think, you know, that yeah. is um that was certainly one of the most useful things that that we did as a team. And, you know, mm-hmm. what do I do now? Well, I, I listen for the, for the, uh, sometimes I am the difficult person. <laughs> you see what you created? <laughs> well, oh, I'm, sometimes I'm the one that's like. You've come a long way. <laughs> I know, you've created a monster. Um no, so sometimes I'm the person, that, but I'm often not the person who's necessarily, um, you know, raising the issue, though sometimes I am, but I'm often the person that's like, okay, we have to stop 
right now. I know everyone wants to move on. <laughs> I get it. The me- we've only got another mm-hmm, half yeah. an hour of the meeting. But the this the agenda that we have here is not actually as important as dealing with what we have right now. Because we have a fundamental I, difference of opinion right now, which if we don't go into it, it's just going to go underground and come out somewhere else. So it is. And you're not going to actually no. get forward movement on that topic you're, you're talking about because that person. Yeah, and you're definitely yeah. not going to get alignment because if people don't feel right. like, you know, whatever they're saying is not being heard, then they're going to object to whatever you want to do, whether they agree with it or not, because right. you just get resentful. Yeah. It's like, well. I don't care if I agree with it. Or not. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I'm not gonna go along with this. You know, I don't feel part yeah. of this. So why should I go along with it? So then, whatever you try and do gets to be difficult. And that and that that's when you you can hit a sort of point of inertia. You know, nothing is happening. Yeah. So so that's that's what I have carried forward. That that listening, um, maybe overriding my <laughs> my my first instinct, which is like. Can we just carry on? Can we just move on? Right. And saying, okay, we all have yeah. to stop. Like this is. Yeah. I love that. It's like slowing down to go fast because if you do slow down, you're gonna you're not gonna have as much rework and backlog and under you know things going underground. And I think also I love that you're bringing up the importance of even adding that first piece about building the the willingness to show up vulnerably and real as a person. So doing that healthy work in the service of the doing the smart business results work so that both are being taken care of in the same meeting, because so often those things get separated. And yet, you know, when they come together, that's when you can make real transformation and change. And that's what we always like to do is start off with what we call healthy, which are all those interpersonal dynamics and who we are as people and show up more vulnerably and real. And then once people settle in, they're going to actually show up when they're talking about the business issues more honestly. And so you're going to get the real things on the table and be able to, uh, like you say, let's, let's slow down. Something's going on. And if we don't un- unravel this, we're going to go sideways right. later. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure people, you know, listening to this might be like, oh, a personal development center, of course, they're going to do all this kind of, you know, woo-woo stuff <laughs> and blah, blah. Honestly, uh, I I think it works in any kind of, of organization and business. And, you know, I came from, it was, uh, you know, still in education, but a much more sort of corporate style approach. And it it would have worked there as well if I'd known about it. So it it, it really isn't, you know, um, I I have I really believe that whatever it is, whatever an organization is doing, this will improve productivity and improve um, uh, satisfaction, which will reduce mm-hmm. uh, turnover of staff, which will cost you less in terms of training people. It's like it's I don't know about a triple bottom line it's like there's a win there's a win (laughs) everywhere there you know yeah Yeah. we agree we agree we think it does actually hit bottom line results significantly and we have found that even in the profit you know we work for Microsoft nationwide big companies that do this and they make significant progress when Mm -hmm. they have the real Yeah, and I think you know if I look back to 10 years ago this is much more I think uh visible in the more traditional corporate structures because I mean there's that Einstein thing about you know what is it doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results you can't (laughs) you cannot bully and force and force your way to alignment you just can't 
No, you that can. is such. A, that's it's, great. It's not Rachel. sustainable. Well, no, people it's will not. just keep leaving. You know, and it's like, okay, that's really yes. expensive. Because <laughs> well, not only are they they're leaving and they're pissed off with you, and there is that thing about you know, if you like something, you tell one person. If you don't like them, you tell seven. So your reputation is, you know, your organization's reputation, even after the person has left, is still being damaged. It's like you know, there is a everywhere you look in this. If you don't, I think if you sort of try and force alignment, if you try, it's it, it's a it's a problem. Yeah. Yes, that is that's so true. Well, this has been delightful, <laughs> yes. Rachel. We love reconnecting <laughs> yeah, with you. It's been super fun. Thank right. you. All right, Chris Marie. So we're we just finished a fun interview with Rachel Davy. I hope you enjoyed that, and we wanted to take a few minutes to just debrief. Our key takeaways. Yeah, what I what I really appreciated about Rachel, we were, we did work with her through that major transition from profit founded driven business to a nonprofit board, you know, structure ED structure. And I really loved when she talked about, well, even there right at the end when she talked about you know taking some time to start the take some time away from the business, do a strategic day or two. And start with how are we like personalities or how can we build some more vulnerability-based trust? Yes. And I love that, you know, she really would take the time in a meeting and the importance of mining and surfacing conflict, because I know people don't really want that because it can seem inefficient, but I love that she was saying, really, no, not at all. Because (laughs) if you don't do it, it's going to come back around in some way. Yeah. And so it was, we didn't even prompt her. No, we didn't prompt her for any of this. And the piece about... She said, we don't need to get everybody to agree. And that some, so many businesses think they need consensus on a team and the idea about no alignment, not consensus, that disagree and commit. What can we walk? If I have heard you and we've got enough information, are you willing to support this direction so that when people walk out, they're aligned with their words and their actions? Yes. And, you know, hopefully you uh, got what you needed from this, but we can provide you a couple tools. Like if you're interested, you, we will put a link into the show notes on how to get to make your meetings matter. Cause Mm -hmm. that does talk about some of the things to do to make sure you include both the smart and healthy in your meetings. Yeah. We also have uh, how to have tough conversations at work, which is another little handout we could give a, a link to. In case you are courageous enough to start surfacing that conflict instead of just letting it erode into the organization in unhealthy ways. And even the, we have a uh, kickstart your team, which is an overview of how we do do those strategic two-day offsites when we work with organizations. So Okay. And of course, we always recommend that you consider purchasing our book, The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage. And be sure if you have any questions or you know, you're wondering, feel free to reach out. We're more than happy to answer your questions. We'll put that email address in the show notes as well. And uh, we appreciate you listening. You yes. take care. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Beauty of Conflict podcast. If you're in a couple and you want to work with us and the horses, then come and join us for our Couples Mojo program. The next Couples Mojo program is going to be happening at Apache Springs Resort in Arizona. This is a beautiful location and it will be happening October 25th through the 28th of this year. Now, For those of you wondering, why would I come to a Couples Mojo program? (laughs) Well, not only do you get the benefit of some of the things we've learned over the years, but if you have any hesitation about giving your 
significant other feedback, trust me, the horses will give it to them for you. (laughs) And rarely do couples take the time to step out of their busy lives and engage and digest and look in their relationship. And when you do, you can increase your intimacy, your passion, your aliveness and your emotional connection. So it's a really fun time and Apache Springs is beautiful. We'll also be doing one in Montana in the springtime. So stay tuned for more information about that. You can sign up for Couples Mojo on our website, which is www.thriveinc.com. T-H-R-I-V-E-I-N-C. I dot com. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes, you said it correctly. You can also find our articles, join our newsletter there, buy our other books, and learn more about other programs we're going to be offering. And if you enjoyed this show, please tell a few friends or post a five-star review on iTunes. Your review helps new listeners discover the show. More people listening to this show means less friction and arguing and suffering out in the world. So that's a great thing for everyone. Okay, thanks for listening. Hope you have a peaceful, productive, and beautiful day.